Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of Rich Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast. It's been four years and we're back. Um, we're putting this out on both the Rahalaspa Rahalaspa and the Rahef streams. If you're listening on Rahalaspa Rahalaspa stream, there are about um, 75 more of these from 2011 to 2014. If you search for Rich Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast or look on British Comedy Guide, you can find out and hear maybe loads more interviews that you haven't heard. So we recorded this at the Newtown Theatre, which is a Masonic Lodge. Um, the first 40 seconds has gone missing, uh, which is not a big problem. It's just me saying hello. Um, and I thought for a while we'd lost the whole thing, so I'm delighted that it's here. My guests are the Doug Anthony All-Stars. And they are fantastic. They're on at 10 o'clock at the Pleasance. Go and see them if you're in the Fringe. Uh, I am on at 7.30 at the Pleasance 1 every day. It seems to be selling quite well, so book ahead if you're coming up. And there are two more Edinburgh Fringe podcasts to come uh, on the 11th and 18th of August at uh, the Newtown Theatre, 1.50pm. I, as I say in the podcast, I thought I was uh, going to be recording these on Saturdays. Uh, so I'm in a quite a big theatre. But the next two are selling pretty well. I think might sell out, so do book ahead. Uh, and next week's guest, as I say at the end, on the 11th, is James Acaster, whose show is pretty much sold out. And I think we might also have Ian Sterling, whose show is sold out. He's the voice of Celebrity Love Island. Um, and uh, is a really... Down to earth and nice young man as well. I met him the other night, um, so hopefully we'll sort that out. Uh, and I will book the last show uh, from the people I meet and who seems interesting. And you know, it's it's kind of a shame in a way to only be doing three of these. Um, I walked away. It was really enjoyable this show, and I walked away from it thinking, oh, I should have done one every day. But I think it's maybe another three would have been good. But um, maybe on Saturdays, who knows? Um, so yes, uh, just go to richchain.com slash gigs and you can check out the ticket links for both of my shows. But do go and see the Doug Anthony All-Stars. This is a real treat for me and I hope for you. At the end, they sing a song and you might wonder why people are laughing all the way through, but you sort of had to be there. Uh, it's extremely funny what they were doing. Um, uh, this That song isn't even in their show, so you can't even see it, but you might be able to... Google it and find a video version of it online. I do not know. Um, so basically what happened in the first 30 seconds, I said, hello, the King of Edinburgh has returned. Well, welcome to the Newtown Theatre, which is the spookiest theatre in the world. It is a Masonic Lodge. Uh, and I'm pretty sure someone has been murdered in here. <laughs> so it's haunted by the ghosts. Uh, and then I came on and said, welcome to the Richard Shane's Edinburgh Fringe podcast. I was down at the Tempting Tatty the other day. A lot of... Uh, that's where all the cool kids hang out, eating jacket potatoes. Uh, they love jacket potatoes, the cool kids. And they called it Ref, Ref. That's more or less what you're missing. So do come along if you can and see this show for the next two recordings. It's a lot of fun to be there live. And you never know whether things are going to get recorded or not in Edinburgh or in any new venue. So there's a chance it might be your only opportunity to hear what's going on. Anyway, thanks for listening. 
www.gofasterstripe.com slash EQ if you want to buy an emergency question book. The second edition is flying out the door as well, so don't leave it too late. Uh, I will be selling those books at the end of both my gigs in Edinburgh and I'm sure on tour as well, so you can pick them up there. Now let's sit back and enjoy Richard Heng's Edinburgh Fringe podcast with the amazing Doug Anthony All-Stars. So excited. Cool kids like, and uh, they call it Rehef, so I don't know. I don't, oh my goodness, I don't know if it's going to catch on. Uh, so uh, it's, it's terrific to be back at the fringe. I've had a couple of years off, uh, and uh, but so far, so good. It seems to be nice to be back. Um, I did nearly kill a Scotchman on the first day I was here. Um, <laughs> a Scotchman, yeah, it was a man coated in sausage meat. So you're happy now? Are you happy now, Scotch people? <laughs> You really haven't been here before. If you, they, oh no, he's he's been. Hello, how you doing? There you go. That's my impression of you. Just thought I'd start that off. Uh, I was quite tired. I've got. We drove up uh, with my. Fa- I drove up with my family, and um, it was quite stressful driving through central Edinburgh, as you're aware. And I was very tired. I'd driven all the way up, uh, and I was I was turning uh, a corner, and uh, I, I got to off the main road into the road we were staying in, and, and there was a, a Scottish man. Uh, halfway across the road, just as my car was approaching. I had to brake. I was very tired. I nearly got him. Uh, and uh, he sort of stumbled and went, ah, oh, look where you're going. I, said, yeah. I, said, yeah, well, I could say the same to you, mate, couldn't I? You are in the road, so for his best not to cross. Uh, but I thought it might be quite good if I had killed him. It's, it would have been good publicity, wouldn't it? That, for the, that would definitely made the papers. And I also think if I could kill one Scottish person a day, you know, that as a kind of threat, that would make you... Finally, you'd take notice of me. Come and see my show or another Edinburgh man may die. Uh, anyway, uh, it's, it's lovely to be here. We're here on a Friday afternoon. Uh, when I booked this in, I thought I was coming on Saturday afternoons. We booked it at the last minute. Uh, and I, I said on Twitter, oh, it, we, every Saturday afternoon we'll be doing a podcast. Someone tweeted me and said, you know the 4th is a Friday. I said, no, it was too late. We were booked in. So, uh, incredibly, we managed to get an audience here. I thought, you know, it might be to sell a big theatre out on a Saturday. Not a Friday. Who's skived off work to be here? Cheer now. Yeah, well done. Thank you very much. That's what I'm relying on. The basic laziness. Uh, and fecundity of... Uh, it's Friday. Don't bother. You're not going to go back, are you? No, no point now. It's Friday knock off the weekend. Uh, and uh, my show, my first show, I'm doing a show called Oh Frig, I'm 50 at the Pleasance One every night, 7.30 if you want to come. Uh, and uh, the first show was delayed by an, half an hour because someone had dropped 5,000 ping pong balls in the theatre. <laughs> they all had to be picked up. Welcome to the Edinburgh Fringe, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what kind of prick brings 5,000 ping pong I'm doing some avant-garde thing with ping pong balls. Anyway, look, we're going to crack straight on. We've got an amazing lineup of guests for this first show. It's uh, uh, big heroes of the fringe, big heroes of mine. They're probably best known for the busking they do in Swanston Street Mall. That's probably why you're here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome the Doug and the All Stars? Here they are. They're coming in now. Come and sit over here. Hooray! Fantastic. I'll move over a bit here so I can see you all. Just manoeuvring into position. There's uh, Paul, Tim and Paul. Hello, Richard. Hello, how are you doing? Good, hi everybody. Hello. How fantastic to see you, how are you doing? 
Uh, very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah lovely good. to be here. And, and what beautiful weather you've put on for us <laughs> uh, today. I just like the constant drizzle, so you're not quite sure whether you want to put a coat on or not. Just you get wet in any case. Uh, yeah, well, lovely. But you did start at the Swanson Street Mall. Is that where you began? Uh, in, in fact, we began... Uh, I, I think it's great you've, uh, you've done your research. Thank and you. You've got your searches on to it, but thank you're you. completely Wrong. erroneous. Yeah, okay. in, um, in that. You uh, have played there, though, right? Oh, no, we did play there, yeah. yeah. But we began our, um, our journey... Uh, in the world of theatrics in, in Canberra. All right. Uh, yeah, the, the nation's capital. You may not know it uh, over here. Uh, it's, a, it's a small place sort of stuck between Sydney and Melbourne and on the streets of Canberra we began busking as yeah. a little busking group and um, in uh, a place called Petrie Plaza okay. and it uh, spread out from there. Okay, cool. Um, and I, I came, I, let's talk about your show straight away. I came to see your show last night. Yes. Which was, I enjoyed... I enjoyed very much. My show's about getting old and turning 50. We both, in fact, started off. We did our first Edinburgh's 1987. So we both, this is our 30th anniversary for all of us of the first time we came to the Edinburgh Fringe. Though you were going for a few years before there, that in Australia. Um, and it's a, a show about ageing and tragedy and having, finding fun in tragedy, I suppose. It's, uh, what I really liked about it is the relationship uh, between... I mean, the two of you obviously have been working together along with uh, Paul at the end as well, but the relationship between the two of you, I think, is sort of like Lauren and Hardy, but written by Samuel Beckett. And that, <laughs> that's sort of where... <laughs> quite like there's, that. A, there's an element of sort of bullying, uh, but it's quite existential. Yeah, there's, well. a, there's, a bit of, there's a bit of Pinter in it as well, because yeah. we go round and round and round, because he's very forgetful. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim is in a wheelchair for the people at home. You have MS? Yes, I've got multiple sclerosis. <laughs> oh, everybody? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it doesn't... Uh, <laughs> that sort of comes in for a degree of mockery within the, the show, I suppose. Oh, we certainly discuss it in a very yeah. honest way. Yeah, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the time, uh, I think people hide their feelings in regards to... Uh, to, to what goes on yeah. um, uh, when, when someone around them is disabled and when they're, they have the job as, as primary carer, which I have while yeah. we're on tour. Yeah. Uh, it's a job I, I, I take uh, great pride in. And, of course, uh, Paul at the end is, is uh, the secondary carer. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't care as much. <laughs> To be honest, it took me 15 minutes to notice the wheelchair in the, in the show because I was so distracted by your beard. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking, that's horrendous. How could that happen to someone? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> let's, let's not be dishonest. You're getting there slowly. <laughs> yeah. But that's quite a change. The, 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 the three, you know, I think what it is, it, it's the, looking back at the old clips of the, uh, the, the original three of you and... Uh, you know, and you play some, some of your old stuff on screen, which is, is a very daring thing to do, I think, to put yourself up against your young versions. You're a very sexy young man, and I'm not saying you're not sexy middle-aged men, but uh, <laughs> you're a very sexy young man, I think it's this fair is, to say. This has got a little bit awkward for me. Well, it's that juxtaposition. It's, it's a very emotional and, and, and interesting juxtaposition to see yourself, to put yourself up against your younger self in that way. And it's, not, it's an amazing thing to be able to do, isn't it? Well, we, we did, uh, we did a, a similar thing last year when we first sort of uh, started working together again with a, a song we used to call The War Song. And, um, 
and uh, it was a very similar sort of experience, but it was, it was amazing. It was quite cathartic uh, sort of experience. You could feel it move across the audience, this emotionalism yeah. when, we, when, when they saw how age had really made us uh, decrepit and taken, <laughs> taken all the wonder away from us completely. Uh, but it's good to embrace it. I mean, I saw, I saw a clip of you from, in, on one of your early Australian TV shows where you were talking about old people having sex and how disgusting it was. And, uh, you know, it's still disgusting, it Richard. <laughs> <laughs> but now you just get to yeah, experience it. <laughs> you have to do it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, I think I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's real sort of tragedy, obviously, in ageing for all of us. Uh, and, and, but you're finding the comedy within that tragedy. It's sort of, it's a really, you know, it's a show that works on a lot of different levels. I know you, you came last year, sort of your, your, was that the first kind of return? You'd done some little one-off specials, but this was your returning show last year. Yeah, it, it certainly, yeah, it certainly yeah. was. And, and I, I mean... Uh, we didn't know if we had anything that, uh, that we could uh, show to the people of the world. And probably the best thing that ever happened to the Doug Anthony All-Stars was Tim getting MS, because that's... A, I, I'm, I'm recommending it for, <laughs> it's for all the young comedians. Get, get yourself a disabled person. Yeah. And it's a great gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> but this is something that you, that you knew about for a, quite a long time, Tim. You know, the, the, you, well, I knew something was going wrong because yeah. everything kept going wrong. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, I'm male, so of course I didn't ask a medical professional. Um, and so I just managed to avoid it and ignore it for a long time. But uh, eventually I thought I might as well go and get them to poke pins in me. And that took a long time because they have to discount all of the other things it could be. Maybe he's just stupid, they said. And they looked at the file and said, yep, he's definitely stupid. So, uh, yeah, eventually they came up with the diagnosis, which is, if you've got MS, it's kind of a relief because it means all of the different symptoms you have can be hit with one hammer. Um, if you don't have MS, you still go, oh, oh, look at the brave soldier. <laughs> but was that part of the reason that you initially, you sort of broke up in the, in the early, mid to, early to mid-90s, you stopped working together. Was that part, was it actually the real reason why you... No, that was, I mean, it was part of the reason. I was raising a family, I had a cantankerous bride, and uh, we did a lot of travelling. We went round the world all the time. It was quite exhausting, yeah. and... Uh, that was also a thing that meant, you know, I had to say, look, I've got to pull up stumps because I'm falling to pieces. Yeah. And certainly weird things were happening. We were doing some shows in London. We'd just done our Edinburgh run, I think, and we were about to, uh, to tour the counties of Ireland. And um, we were at the Janetta Corcoran Theatre in London. And we used to have this uh, fun song about cancer, and, uh, which involved a German sort of lederhosen slapping of the thighs. Uh, and at the time, I had, a, I had a giant boil on the... I don't want to go into it, but... Uh, <laughs> it was a giant boil on the inside of my thigh. And uh, at one stage, Tim and I were, were doing this uh, slapping uh, dance, um, and uh, simultaneously, he fell to the left and I fell to the right. And we realised that there's something drastically wrong. Uh, with me... It, it was easily lanced, but uh, <laughs> his was an ongoing problem yeah. that, that didn't really materialise till, uh, till, till a few years later and we yeah. sort of realised what was going on. Sure. Something wrong with me, something wrong with Paul, something wrong with Devlin, which was the name of the boil. <laughs> <laughs> There's a devil in that boil. <laughs> And so, well, let's go back to the, the, uh, the earlier days, or certainly Edinburgh. The thing that, uh, that everyone, all the comedians, remembered about you, apart from it being a fantastic, sort of outrageous and exciting act, was that you were very smelly. Oh. 
You're very, a very smelly group of people. You'd never washed, you never washed your, your stage clothes? No, we did. well, we came from Australia, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was, it's very hard in our country to get people's attention. Uh, here, you have lovely mannered audiences who are used to, to, to theatre and so on, and to be a cultured people. You understand uh, that there is a fourth wall that exists between the performer uh, and the audience, but in Australia, we don't have that sort of uh, understanding. Sure. And so we had to really get people's attention, and uh, we, wanted to, uh, we wanted to intoxicate all their senses. And so <laughs> we did the, uh, the, the oral and the, and the visual, but we also, we also hit the olfactory pretty hard. Yeah. But uh, it, was, it was difficult for many people to share a dressing room with us. <laughs> Because Which worked out fine because it meant we always had our own dressing room. <laughs> did, could you smell yourselves, or did you not? Could you not smell yourself? Oh no, we could. Yeah, we could definitely. We yeah. have different scents. It yeah. must be said. And and I was I was the worst. I, I would sweat, and yeah. I also had a bit of a habit of putting uh, a very sweaty uh, shirt uh, into a plastic bag, which tends to make it ferment slightly <laughs> and builds a. <laughs> Yeah, don't try it, kids. And it builds up a, a viscous sort of uh, uh, a sheeny sort of... Uh, yeah. that, that permeates the material, so a cotton would just become very sort of... <laughs> yes, uh, anyway. It did was, they, it did was... you have, stay with the same ones all the way or did they rot and you, and you changed your clothes? Oh, no, they rotted. And, um, yeah. yeah, completely rotted. <laughs> Uh, and, and some of this was very heavy material as yeah. well, like the jackets eventually just rotted through. And uh, once the group disbanded, the Victorian Museum of the Arts uh, wanted to get the, the costumes. Yeah, I saw this. Um, and I wrote uh, a, a note saying that um, we'll give you the costumes, we'll donate them uh, to the museum for the prosperity of Australia and future generations, but we insist that they are never washed. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, and they, they took those costumes and they destroyed them and made copies. Oh, really? Because <laughs> uh, Richard, uh, our old guitarist, yeah. went to, to see them once on display and they were just, they're just not our costumes. <laughs> Clearly someone had gone, this is revolting and disgusting. There's no way we can, we can do this. We <laughs> that just... might just have been a cleaner. That happens sometimes in art galleries. Some of the cleaner comes and throws the art away because they think it's just rubbish. <laughs> that probably, there's a pile of old clothes here. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That's a shame they've been... Uh, they've it's quite exciting. Yeah, not many people would agree with that no, estimation. I, it's amazing. They went, <laughs> they went in a museum. That's uh, awesome. Uh, that's, um, uh, and there was another group, a member of the group, and I'm not going to talk about the most obvious member of the group. There was a member of the group called Robert Piper to begin with. Oh, what, man. What yeah. happened to him? Why is he not back in the reunion? He is the UN ambassador uh, to Palestine at the moment. <laughs> They had to choose one of you, and he was yeah. the one they hit. <laughs> you know, we thought, he's never going to make it, that fella. <laughs> he worked with Bill Clinton for many years right. after, after, the, um, after Bill's presidency, uh, when uh, Bill was uh, working with the UN. Yeah. Uh, he was the right-hand man. And um, after that, uh, became affiliated with the UN, and he and his family have, have travelled the world and uh, lived <laughs> in Nepal. The last time I saw Robert was in Nepal, yeah. uh, but uh, he's had stations with his family all around the world. So, do you, quite think, he do you think he regrets not still being in the? Dugout? He's broken-hearted. In fact, the way that <laughs> the way that I believe he began many of his, inst you know, instigated conversations within UN uh, to people of different cultures from all around the world was just by saying, "I don't know if you know this, but I used to be in the Dugout for the All Stars," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that unite.
united the world. Everyone yeah. loves the Doug Adams <laughs> yeah. all around the world. <laughs> united in possibly in being offended by you. <laughs> Therefore, it is. It, I mean, it's a, it's a, I suppose the. How close, do you know about? Uh, how do you know about? I know Robert everything though? about you. I know oh, everything man. about you. Okay, you're Wiki- If it's on Wikipedia, <laughs> I know it. That's that's how. That's how. <laughs> That's how I know about it. Uh, but uh, you started from this... Uh, I mean, it's kind of the clothes thing. It's a kind of punk sensibility, is it, a little bit? You were sort of uh, quite... You came into the group and sort of made it a bit harder-edged than maybe it was right at the start. Is that true? Oh, it was very fey before yeah. I joined, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was quite, it was quite sad. It was about uh, three fellas uh, dancing around. Uh, you, this one, uh, this man I first saw uh, in Garima Place in Canberra, um, standing on a milk crate dressed in an orange sort of saffron robe with quite a full uh, beard uh, and he was 18 years old and he was telling everyone where they'd gone wrong with their lives. <laughs> uh, and I thought, who is that goddamn idiot? I was like, and I didn't realise at the time, like in a, a year later, I would be working with him on the Dung Anthony All-Star. Right, so right. It's, uh, that, was a, that was a weird trajectory yeah. indeed, yeah. And, I mean, Kate, you, you're very abrasive. I mean, what I quite like is seeing you 30 years on, it, you know, there's this, the same spirits there and the same anarchies there and it's still offensive and brilliant in that way um, but the, there's, a, there's a real affection between even though you're being nasty Paul a lot of the time <laughs> no. there's a real it's a perception it's, thing it's, it's, it's sort of a show about the, the love between two f- friends I think the, the whole, it's, there's a real you're nasty to Tim and then you'll just go over and just slightly adjust his position to make sure he's comfortable and it's there's a real kind of lovely brotherly affection between the two of you I think well the frustrations of being a carer for someone with, you know, a disability, um, it it felt like it was good to actually get those out. Because yeah. if you're a carer, you don't spend every hour of the day, you know, with that person thinking, I'm doing such a great thing, I'm just having a great time. There are times when you could kill them. Come on, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> and we figure we bring that out to the light just to point out that you can love these people, care for them, but, you know, if things get tough, you can always kill them. <laughs> But I, I love the undercurrent is that, you know, I mean, you've been through a lot together and... I mean, I don't think... If Stuart Lee ended up in a wheelchair... The thing you might not notice uh, as well is that... Uh, there is, a, there is a, a revenge aspect when someone is uh, in a wheelchair and slightly disabled and not, yeah. not able to, to, to counter some of the horrible things that you do. So, you know, if, if you did want to get back at Stuart, then him in a wheelchair is <laughs> yeah. a very fine way of doing okay. it. You know. I've, I've left him in corners sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and trams can't turn. <laughs> And how are you finding Edinburgh? Because Edinburgh's a pretty hard city to negotiate with, oh, with oh, oh, certainly middle-aged legs. Oh, but this, th- this is not a wheelchair-friendly city. I said last night, <laughs> it is. Uh, uh, it's not a wheelchair-friendly city. And um, in fact, it's positively hostile yeah. to people in wheelchairs. And uh, just, uh, just having the cobblestones everywhere, it's like you've put a house on the street and just decided to bitumen. Ladies and gentlemen, bitumen could be something that would help. Uh, a, a spirit level would be great occasionally just to employ that, just to, just to get a bit of smoothness about yeah. the damn place. It's great. I mean, I guess that once, you, once you've had cobbles this long, it's hard. It must be difficult to get rid of them because you're probably not allowed to get rid of them. But it is... 
I mean, it's going to make a lot of people disabled because they're slippery as well. So, you know, it's it. <laughs> <laughs> disabled people, then they can't get around, then they die. It's just a way of keeping the population down here in... It's <laughs> a, a beautiful circle, yeah, isn't it? It's, it's, <laughs> it just keeps going. And the venues are hard to get. I mean, your venue's very high up, and I'm presuming there's a, a, a nice lift up there because I'm, I'm, it was hard walking up there. Oh, yeah, we have a, a pulley arrangement. <laughs> and a, we hook up the donkey and get on, and up I go. I don't like being referred to as the donkey, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the venue we're in, um, uh, is it the 4th at the, at the Pleasance? Um, it's one of the few venues in Edinburgh that's actually got air conditioning. Yeah. And we need to get air conditioning because Tim gets quite affected by the, by, sure. by, by the heat and so on. And, and, and you know how in a room uh, like this, when it's, uh, when it's overly warm, you may get a bit soporific and start to, to fall asleep. Uh, it affects Tim in the same way, but more profoundly. So, yeah. Um, you know, so we needed to find a place that's air-conditioned because I don't know if you're aware of this, but you've built a city here that is only really good for really cold weather. <laughs> and as soon as it gets a little moderately warm, it just goes to hell in a handbasket. So I mean, there are venues that are literally sauna-like. Oh, sweat when I, did the, yeah, yeah. when I did the white belly at the underbelly a few years ago, there was... A, the sweat of other people was dripping off the ceiling onto you. Mm. Also, your own sweat was... I mean, my eyebrows didn't, couldn't cope with it, so there was yes. just sweat going into your eyes. <laughs> well, it's accumulated sweat from other performers as well. That's the disturbing thing. Probably the acrobats that were in there earlier, or the jugglers who sweat profusely have probably left a nice crust over the ceiling. <laughs> and I like... I also note that you've... Uh, you've played quite a lot of hoaxes on journalists, which I'm hoping you'll st stick one I, in here. I don't believe that's that. us, no. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or is that a hoax? <laughs> <laughs> I understand you were in, in Batman with Jack Nicholson. I'm, oh, waiting, right. I'm waiting to okay. see you. That, that was a mistake. <laughs> you know, we all we did was put out a little press release and everybody goes, oh, wow, they must be in Batman because they say they are. <laughs> Simple misunderstanding. <laughs> And that got reported on the front page of magazines and stuff. Well, this, this, this was his instigation. I thought it was maybe a step too far. Um, <laughs> but there were a number of comedians up here that were in the first Batman. Right. And they'd been in Edinburgh and they were... Well, I can't remember the names now, but they, were, they, they played small parts yeah. uh, in, in Batman. And so we just thought it was a joke that we'd, we'd say we're in <laughs> Batman. But it, it got a lot of momentum very quickly in Australia, uh, which surprised us. And so we did a few interviews where we said, oh, yes, oh, yes, we're in Batman. Oh, we're the Joker's henchman. Uh, and this, this one was a, is an immaculate liar. And, um, and uh, uh, we did a, a story with the, the Green Guide, one of the major Melbourne papers, um, at the age, and the journalist, I, I've got no idea why, but was a little bit suspicious and demanded, because we had said we'd been on Jack Nicholson's boat on the, on the Seine, I think, and <laughs> going up and down with Jack for a couple, on the Riviera with Jack, uh, having a, a week of, of great times, and they said, well, we want to see some photographs, and, um, and this one uh, rang them up and said, there's no way Jack would well, allow that. And if you don't want to publish, don't publish. But we are not, we are not making this tawdry. By, <laughs> by having photographs of us and Jack Nicholson. And of course they went to press uh, saying that uh, we're in Batman with, <laughs> with photographs they'd mocked up themselves. <laughs> I mean, we were sort of attacking fake news before there really was a lot of fake news. So. Great. You might have ended up in the, back, the Batman producer and going, fuck, they're in it. We better, we better get them over. <laughs> well, the, the amazing the thing was, because there was a... Um, uh, we, it was revealed at one stage that we had lied about it, I think, when people actually saw the Batman film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
uh, but a, a time elapsed between the first Batman and the second Batman, and by the time the second Batman came around, what did you say? <laughs> We're going to be in Batman 2. <laughs> it worked like a charm, because people said, oh, I, I thought you were involved in Batman somehow. Oh, by George, yeah. So we got the same kind of media. It yeah. worked very well. <laughs> And you're the boy who cried Batman in there. <laughs> Eventually, you are in Batman, and they go, no, no, one, no one's going to believe that now. Uh, but you've done loads of other things as well, uh, aside from, uh, from the Doug Antonys, of course, and you both, both presented big TV shows in Australia. Yep. Uh, and you've been right. Have you written a musical, Tim, and a, and, and a, and a film? Yeah, oh, we've done a piece called Billy and the Dinosaurs, which has an orchestra and, you know, dinosaurs. It's like Peter and the Wolf, but we have a dinosaur instead of a rabid dog. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what instrument it, it signifies a dinosaur? Oh, uh, all of them. But <laughs> mo- mostly drums, you know, bomb, 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 bomb. But that will be coming to the UK eventually. We just have to beg and plead. <laughs> And what was you being? I mean, you became massive stars. I mean, you were stars in the UK before you were in Australia, right? And then you went back to Australia, and you were you're a big TV star. We did we did Friday Night Live here. It yeah. was one of our first, really, yeah, probably our first television appearance. Right. And um, and that was great. Uh, and it was it was a phenomenally weird experience for us to um, to be in a show like that and to realise its effect. On, on the populace because we were sort of living around the Soho area when um, in London and, and people, I remember a, a dispatch rider, a, a courier um, uh, on a motorcycle sort of coming up onto the pavement to, to say he'd seen the show last night and he just right. thought it was extraordinary yeah. and suddenly you, we were aware that there was a real sort of, um, you know, the ability of television to, to communicate to people was phenomenal yeah. and it was... Uh, when we went back to Australia, Wendy Harmer, uh, a comedian from our country who'd been here and on that special uh, as well, or on that night of uh, Friday Night Live, uh, took the tape to a guy called Ted Robinson, and Ted Robinson uh, saw us and he thought we were fantastic and was wondering how he was going to get to New Zealand to meet these wonderful New Zealanders. Uh, and so, uh, so that's how we began our television uh, yeah. sort of uh, career, I suppose, in Australia. I mean, it was quite... A, it was... Different than anything that was happening in the UK, I think. You were, because it was, it was out. It was, not, it was unpolitically correct before that was a thing, I suppose, wasn't it? And it was, and it was. You were quite nasty and, and aggressive. A lot of that did come from the, the streets too, because yeah. we started as buskers, and and once again we mentioned it before, but but the Australian audiences, are, are, you know, they're not really interested in, <laughs> in in watching you, and so we had to employ a number of different tactics to 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 keep people on the street because they've always got, you've always got things to do when you're on the street. You've got shopping to do. There's a reason you're in the city. Yeah. You're not there to see a couple of buskers. Um, and so uh, we used to, you know, if we, if we managed to get them there for a couple of seconds, we'd have them there for an hour because we would take their handbags and purses and, and other things while we were performing. We'd distract them with someone being over here and then I'd go around and nick things. And we found that, uh, particularly if we stole their children, that they would hang around. Uh, we used to put the children in the guitar case and just have them... <laughs> which, yeah, maybe you wouldn't get away with these days. But um... When we first came to Edinburgh, people were uh, a bit uh, alarmed by the amount of aggression and yeah. activity that yeah. there was in the show based upon all that loud busking. But, you know, our aggression, you know, it wasn't just our fault. I mean, the audiences were Scottish. <laughs> and, you know, you're barging into a bar. It was uh, called the Bear Pit at the time. And there were, you know, all the tough people of Scotland sitting there. 
And uh, we figured we'd just have to pick a fight, otherwise these people will kill us. <laughs> and so uh, at the first heckle, we decided, well, that's it, it's on. So we started throwing punches and bottles and glasses and pouring beer on people and <laughs> overturning tables. And sure enough, the Scots helped by joining in. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, at the original Fringe Bar at the, at the yeah. university. An yeah. incredible place, like some sort of Kafkaesque Kafkaesque nightmare yeah. when you're in there because they had those, that, that, that second level. And I remember some uh, nights when there were, there were people uh, up on that balcony and then people behind them standing on the tables and people right behind them. So there was like a wave of, of faces that went right up to the roof yeah. uh, on all sides and uh, a phenomenal environment. And, and if you're a mime artist, if you're a juggler, uh, if you showed one hint of fear then they would just tear you apart. Yeah. Uh, and and they were, they, as critics, um, they weren't um, particularly uh, subtle. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and people, I, you know, people I know that were on around the same time, but just got torn apart yeah. uh, by these, these, uh, these, you know, the, the Scottish crowd. Yeah. Oh, one guy was stabbed, a performer was stabbed with a chair. <laughs> now that's got to be a Scottish thing, because I'd never heard of it anywhere else. <laughs> And there was, a, there was a magician that came on with us once, and I've forgotten his name, which is a terrible thing, but he was a lovely guy, but he was, he was doing like the Las Vegas sort of style magic act. He said, you know, and, he, and making, ooh, and he had this, you know, the tuxedo and so on. And he was so affected by the way that they screamed abuse at him that he decided that he was completely down the wrong path with, with the type of magic he was doing. Yeah. So he went to India for I think about a year and a half and, and tried to find this, uh, you know, this, this fabulous uh, fabled uh, Indian book of magic that has all these, like the, 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 all the incredible tricks that they, you know, the bed of nails and yeah, the yeah. swallowing of swords and all this. So he wanted to go down that path because he thought that that would, uh, that would um, make the Scottish audiences, I suppose, approve of him more. And he spent, he spent a long time there because uh, he had to really work his way into the system to get the trust, to get this fabulous uh, Indian book of magic. And, um, and he shared some of the secrets. And it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen a performer do the, do the broken glass where they break glass and they put a little tissue over it and then they put their head on the broken glass and get someone to stand on their head. But so those, or the... Or the or the bed of nails. It had all those things in it. And I said, so what? What is it with the, with the broken glass? What's the skill? What's the trick? And he said, what you do is you get green glass and you break it and then you put tissue over the top then you put your face on it and get someone to stand on your head. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's all the tricks. <laughs> Another Paul. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm and, a bit and, tired. Good. Over here. <laughs> the, view, the view is excellent, I it's must good. say. It's good. It's tiring. How did you get involved with uh, these other two? Oh, I was dragged in against my will. I'm not an original member, but I am original. But um, <laughs> they, they dragged me in. Actually, the... They dragged me here in 1989. I did my first Edinburgh supporting these men, which was a, a horrible thing to do to a young, timid, toothless, bald Australian. And um, it was like throwing the atheist to the lions. I, I just didn't know where I was. I was, I was lost. And I think they just thoroughly enjoyed that. And it's what they did to Al Murray as well. They get a support act that they know will probably bomb. And then they just, it makes them look better. And that's been my role for the past 35 years. You're very funny in the show. And I, you come on and open the show and do some proper jokes. And then they come on and just 
swear at each other. It's yeah, they won't let me talk when they're on. That's, no. that's happening today as yeah. well. I don't know why that happened. <laughs> I find it quite offensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for the opportunity. It's okay, it's nice to talk. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk to you again in about 20 minutes. I'll just get me out of the back. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned Al there. Now you're, you're big friends with Al Murray. So did he, did he, he toured with you? Well, he's, he's our, our benefactor right. in, in regards to this because, yeah. uh, um, you know, he's, he's basically brought us back uh, to, to Edinburgh because we, 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 I think Tim had the idea of coming back and I thought, that's insane. Why would we want to do that? And, uh, um, and uh, Cameron, our, our manager, came here and uh, was, was asking a few people uh, that run, ran various venues, uh, you know, if they, if they have us. <laughs> and, and Al heard that uh, we were thinking of coming back and just scooped, scooped Cam up in his arms and said, you know, yeah. I'm here, I'm here for you, I'm the only man you need, talk to me. <laughs> so, yeah, he's a great fellow and um, yeah, a lot of, uh, he seems to have a lot of love for us. I don't know why. So it's, it's, uh, yeah. Well, we were up, this, you know, we were up in 87 and 88 and so we saw you when we were students and, mm. you know, I think it's, and I think it had like a, a big effect. There was a lot of people around that time. I mean, I think you, your first year you were up, you were in the same venue as Jerry Sadovitz. I think it was the only two, it was the, I was talking to Richard mm-hmm. Allen Turner last night, he said that he promoted you and you were in the Harriet Watt University, which is somewhere... Well, oh, that, that? that was our second year. The first year we were year. at the Pleasance and we, we arrived... Um, it, this is insane. We went to the Adelaide Arts Festival and we did quite well at the Adelaide Arts Festival and then people there went, oh, have you heard about this other festival? And we went, no, we just thought this was the only sort of arts, sort of fringy sort of thing. Yeah. And they went, no, there's this place called Edinburgh uh, in Scotland and they have, a, they have a festival there as well. And we thought, oh, well, we'll... Oh, why don't we go there? So we just... Um, we, oh, it's a long story, but we, <laughs> we ended up getting to, um, to, to London. We managed to uh, get uh, a, a busking gig in at Covent Garden, which was like a mecca for us, yeah, yeah. Um, only because this man was so tall and handsome and, and conned our way in, because apparently the selection process for buskers normally takes months. And but we he... were going to be in Batman one day. <laughs> <laughs> And the next thing we knew, we were on the train coming to Edinburgh, and we arrived, we didn't have anywhere to stay, we put out the guitar case, we told people as we were busking on the mound, which you could do once upon a time, um, that uh, we didn't have anywhere to stay, and the generosity of the Scottish people was amazing, because at the end of the bus, there were three addresses in that, um, in that guitar case, people saying that they'd uh, you know, have us in their homes. Um, which was phenomenal, and uh, Christopher Richardson at the Pleasance was the was the only uh, uh, place that we we'd booked into. But our show, the only show we had, was in the the last week of the festival, and it was on at twelve o'clock at night. Yeah, so we didn't for the first two weeks of the festival, we didn't actually have a show, right. and uh, we thought we'd just busk and try and make some money. <laughs> Scotland busking. <laughs> That's how naive we were. And, uh, <laughs> and we, uh, we um, uh, were lucky, or someone was unfortunate, because in the first week, in the cabaret bar at the, at the, at the Pleasance, uh, a group that was meant to be on at 12 o'clock dropped out. Right. And, um, and uh, Christopher mentioned this to us and said there was a space. And so we just went... Bang! Well, we've got, we'll we'll jump in there and do something. Yeah. So we had to print out flyers, photocopy. You know, we have to draw things to photocopy the flyers and and then go down and busk. And the first day, I think we had the tech staff there. Uh, and for the second day, we had like uh, 14 people. And the day after that, we had uh, 40 people. And the day after that, we had like 150. And then at the end of that week, 
we didn't have another gig again. Yeah. Uh, but luckily someone dropped out at three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> didn't come along, so he jumped in there again. And the first day we had the tech staff and five people, and then it just built. And so by the time we got to the, the last week of the uh, festival and that 12 o'clock show, it was sold out every night. And, right. uh, yeah, we, were just, we just loved the place and, that, and the reaction. That so. could happen in the Fringe in the 1980s. You know, it's, it's a much smaller affair, and, you know, you could just come rock up without being in any programmes and, and people would find you, yeah. It's, yeah, well, it was word of mouth, yeah, really, yeah. more than anything else, people people talking. I yeah. don't know if that happens anymore. No. Uh, well, I'm sure the people of Edinburgh wouldn't give you a free room anymore. Maybe <laughs> £4,000 for the month. You might <laughs> you might get something. But, uh, <laughs> so things have changed a lot in every direction. But yeah, they certainly have. Yeah. But, yeah, it's sort of incredible. But those, those were... I mean, it was an amazing time, I think, like to... Well, as young... We were sort of... We were coming up from university doing sort of sketch stuff and then coming up and seeing all the stand-ups, basically, and sort of blowing up. Our, our mind. Jerry Sadovitz was one of them. Oh, who, uh, Jerry. You know, who, yeah, I mean, God. you've got a similar sort of sensibility, though. I think he probably even out out offends you guys. <laughs> oh, Jerry! Jerry's amazing, yeah. and uh, you know, a wonderful example, I think, of Scottish culture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, but uh, the first time we ever saw Jerry, he was busking on the mound. Right. And it was, uh, uh, it was quite crowded. And there was like, you know, Chilean pipe orchestras. And there was a couple of bands there that had, uh, had amplifiers and speakers. And there were people that were quite professional. And, um, and, and we were doing our little ragtag sort of, uh, you know, trio. And then this, this Beano character... Uh, appeared um, with um, with, the, with the crazy hair and the, the, the little sort of bowler hat and the the, the black uh, jacket with the red and black mohair jumper. Yeah. And, and Jerry had a um, uh, a clothes horse, a wooden clothes horse, in one hand, and he had the girl guides. Uh, um, book of rules or guidelines from 1956, and he would. <laughs> he, it still baffles me to this day how, ever, how he came up with this concept, but he would read a line from the Girl Guides uh, guidebook of 1956. He'd scream it out, and then he would get the, get the wooden clothes horse and smash it on the ground and move forward with it and then scream, give me money. <laughs> <laughs> and it was... <laughs> to this day, I still think it is one of the most, you know, brilliant busking acts I've ever seen. People, people like... There was nowhere in that mall. Everyone was so crowded in. The only space was around Jerry Sadowitz. He was, he was managing to part, you know, the waters in front of him. People were just absolutely terrified. <laughs> it was fantastic. And Tim, you've written a book about... You've written, you're quite interested in the theory of comedy, is that right? And you've written a, a book about... Oh, yeah. Um, in Australia, there is yeah. no... There are, nobody talks about, you know, how yeah. you write comedy for TV. Like, right. how do you write a sitcom or how do you write a funny film or how do you even write a sketch? Um, nobody gets told how this works, so I thought I'd better go and write it down in a book because yeah. I was teaching it at one of the universities. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's called The Cheeky Monkey and it will explain how to be funny, but it won't help you with hair care tips, which obviously is some of the funniest stuff that's happening in this crowd this morning. <laughs> But it's, uh, it's so important to tell, you know, screenwriters in particular, yeah. you can't just be miserable all the time. It doesn't hurt to have a gag every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Al, Al was saying, it was, I, haven't, I haven't read it, but Al was saying it was an amazing book and I should read it. So, uh, oh, it's all ripped off from Aristotle and right. from people who know more than I do. I You're allowed to rip, rip off Aristotle, I think. I don't think he's coming well, back. Oh, yeah. And the, <laughs> the a great Greek... filmmaker as well. <laughs> Ancient <laughs> Greek lawyers are lousy. <laughs> And this is a very exciting venue to be in. We're in a, you know, we're in a Masonic hall. So behind, 
behind all these curtains and stuff, there's like weird. So there's a big Masonic organ back there. Mm. Do you have Masons? Did the Masons make to Australia? Oh, the Masons, I think, oh, yeah, yeah are, are, are all the way around the world, I yeah. believe. But um, yeah, we have Masons, yeah. Freemasons in Australia. We're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> the first year we came to Edinburgh, we stayed in Johnson Terrace, which is near the castle, and we, the, the, the whole of the theatre group, were just sleeping on the floor of the Masonic Temple. They've got a lot of Masonic temples here in Edinburgh. That's two within a mile, like half a mile of each other. But we slept on the floor, so that's my memory. And we went down into the basement one day, and there was a TARDIS in there. <laughs> it was genuinely a TARDIS in there. There was a show called Sleep. I wonder if it's still going. Oh. Um, where oh. all you needed was a fire officer and a health person, like a nurse, to sit there backstage, and the audience would turn up with blankets, sit in the chairs, and everybody would go to sleep. It was an eight-hour show. <laughs> it would start at midnight and go till the morning, and it was where everybody who didn't have somewhere to stay in Edinburgh could go, and it was, it was really highly populated <laughs> and entertaining for the occasional enterprising couple. <laughs> it was, oh, I'm, I'm having memories now of that, that, that first year, and you'd always hear about shows that had been there, that, like the, the year before you, that you'd never seen. Yeah. There, was, there was some clown show that, that uh, sounded so brilliant and frightening that, uh, that I, I really regret never seeing that one. But there was a, also, and I, I may get all the details of this wrong and I paraphrase slightly and, and distort history completely, but let's say it, it was a Czechoslovakian um, juggling or theatre group and um, people would queue up to see them and what they would do is uh, before the show they'd come and grab people uh, out of the line and, and take them backstage to be to incorporate them in the show what the people that were taken out of the line didn't realize was that they'd uh, this this group had built a, a fake stage uh, or elevated the stage area um, and it had little holes in it that uh, their heads poked through <laughs> Uh, so all these people had their little heads poking through as this Czechoslovakian juggling group juggled bowling balls and chainsaws above their heads. <laughs> and so their loved ones were in the audience while these people screamed their goddamn guts out. I don't think anyone was injured in the end, which was a blessing, but I, I, I think I would have loved to have seen that. Uh, this is a place of absolute, unadulterated madness. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, and it, it's just gotten uh, exponentially more do you think phenomenal. It's, I mean, like, this is a question that journalists all, all ask me, and do you think it's kind of got too big, or do you think it's... I mean, I, there's a lot... I feel in a lot of ways comedy's better now because people have to work so much harder to get anywhere, whereas we could turn up and maybe get a show or maybe make up a show as we went along. You couldn't really do that now. Except well, I, su the I suppose it was Frontierland when we started. Yeah, it really yeah. felt like Frontierland. So I suppose civilization has moved in and it's made <laughs> you know, a bit more sense of it. Um, but... Uh, in those days, you know, you could honestly, if you wanted to do something, you would just do it. Yeah. But now, I mean, you, you saw the magic trick in our show, which is just a, you know, it's a fake cigarette with a bit of talcum in it and, and a bit of flash paper. Yeah. Um, uh, but we had to have a safety officer come in and check to see if that was going to be deadly for yeah. people. And, uh, and you're thinking that, oh, yeah, you know, when, when we were youngsters... Uh, None of no one was around to say that's not safe. We had a, a first year we were in Edinburgh. We had a bonfire at the back of the Pleasance <laughs> because we were there in that last week. And the last night, I noticed uh, Anthony and some of the the people that now run the Pleasance, who were crew back in that day, yeah. uh, moving some of the sets, like taking the sets to to throw them on a bonfire. And I said, "What are you doing?" And they said, "Oh, we're just going to burn all these 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 sets." And we went, "Oh well, uh, what time?" And they're going, "Oh, we can do it now." I said. Why don't you wait till uh, till one o'clock when we finish the show and we'll come out and have a, have a bonfire? And they went, 
Okay. <laughs> you would never get away with that sort of stuff now. You know, oh, so. that's what, that is, in fact, what I was going to ask you in emergency questions. And one of the emergency questions I ask is, what is the strangest thing you've ever found in the embers of a bonfire? So that may be the answer already. Well, it was, uh, it was, it was credit cards because we, <laughs> uh, at one stage, we were, you know, it's, I don't know if you've done that, uh, that sort of Christian uh, thing or, or, or it's part of a group dynamic where you write down your sins or you write down uh, problems that you have in life or things that you want to solve and you throw them, you throw these yeah. things into a fire and it releases you. And uh, as a joke, uh, as the fire was blazing, um, uh, I can't remember, maybe yourself or myself, someone, one of us said, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, credit cards are a great evil in society. Uh, let's, let's get our credit cards and throw them onto the fire. And um, we had a friend there called Nigel, Nigel Smith, and he went, I owe, you know, 2,000 pund on this thing. And, and he threw it in the fire. What surprised us was that uh, it started everyone throwing, <laughs> coming forward, making a confession and throwing credit cards in the goddamn bonfire. Wow. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a very funny experience. Yeah. And I, as a joke, I thought it'd be great. I got a big bit of 4v2 and threw it into the middle of the blaze and, and it, it parted slightly. And I thought, oh, I can, I'll run across that. And it was amazing. I ran across oh, wow, the, wow. through the fire and... Um, and made it, and everyone, it was a moment of ecstasy just rippled through everyone, and I thought, oh, that's incredible. I can do that again, but I, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so in the embers of the fire that night, you could find one of the Doug Anthony <laughs> I've never rolled as quickly. Wow. Just, um, but anyway, yeah, madness. We Crazy did mad time. things. Um, I remember Michael, when I went to see Michael Moore's show, he tried to make everyone throw away their nectar cards because he said they were evil and they were a way of... Of, of making people, um, you know, keep a tags on you. So mm. everyone was throwing them in, throwing them away. But I had 250 quid on mine, so I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, all right, I'll ask you an emergency question from the Emergency Questions book, which is available from gofasterstrike.com or from over there after the show. I'm selling some merchandise. If you haven't yet got your Emergency Questions book, it's a lot of fun. Uh, question 436, this is a disease-based one you might enjoy. If you had a finger that could cure rectal cancer but only if you pushed it hard up the anus of the cancer sufferer. Would you cure anyone, everyone, or be like Jesus and just cure a few? I think it would depend on the prophet anus. <laughs> so you would, you would judge it by the oh, anus? Yeah, you I'd like the it. anus, you yeah, do yeah. I'd, Eventually I'd probably give in and just go there and cure everyone. Yeah. But, you know, if mean, you had that power... That's just... what I think about Jesus, though. He could cure leprosy. If I'd been Jesus, I would have just cured leprosy, all of the leprosy. I'd have said, well, I'm going to spend, I've got three years left, I'm going to cure all leprosy. You Not do just know ten he's... lepers, he cured ten <laughs> lepers, what a cunt. <laughs> you do know he's an imaginary character. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Well, so long as they ask nicely, like really, really nicely, <laughs> even if they're sick or not sick, it doesn't matter, they have to ask nicely. <laughs> I'd even cure the people that don't have cancer. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I'd give the people cancer. No, so it's, it's being in your comp company is making me much worse than I usually am. <laughs> uh, what is your most terrifying encounter that you've ever had with the ventriloquist dummy? Is it... <laughs> Can I just go back to the last question? Yeah, please? okay, so yeah, yeah, please do. I'd, I'd, I'd cure myself first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice chatting to you, Richard. That's all right, it's good to know. <laughs> Have you ever had a terrifying encounter with... Or, or a ventriloquist? Stuart Lee once masturbated me with a ventriloquist. About 30 years ago today, probably, actually. Thinking about it. 
he once masturbated me using the hand of my 100-year-old ventriloquist dummy. To give you some background, I think most Was the puppet know. talking at the time? <laughs> he wasn't. He was concentrating on what he was doing. He was closed mouth. It was only for a very brief second, but... Yeah. No, what, you're going, ah, oh, because you wished it had been longer, or because you're thinking of the emotional... You know, I've got a bit in my show now about me fancying puppets, and that's all, it all goes back to... At least the dummy god would. <laughs> hey! <laughs> my great, my great granddad made it. It's very, it was a very offensive thing. Uh, all right, I'll ask you this question. If you uh, had to be uh, in a uh, human centipede, if you had to be, uh, you're going to be in the middle, who, but you can choose who's either side. Who would you have in front of you and who would you have behind you? That's a question for all of you. I mean, we could do one with the three of you. <laughs> A very, a very short centipede. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think, bef- uh, you know, in front, I'd have to have a, a wayfish model yeah. of some kind that doesn't sort of eat anything apart from, you know, peeled grapes and lettuce. Yeah. Uh, I think I could cope with that. Yeah. And um, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give a shit who was behind me. Right. There's no <laughs> <laughs> the Dalai Lama for me. <laughs> Because it's got to be good for you. It's out of the Dalai Lama. <laughs> uh, and behind, really, I don't know, Nigel Farage. I mean, yeah. anybody. Who's, it's a popular you know, choice. Yeah, Nigel it's a very Farage. popular choice. I met Farage yeah. uh, recently. I was in this, on a TV show with him. I don't like to talk about it. It was very mentally scarring. It was, uh, I, still haven't, I still haven't quite got over it. I couldn't um, look him in the face. I couldn't shake his hand or look him in the eye. I kind of wish I just... I wish I just said to him, you have destroyed our country. I hope you're pleased with yourself. But there we go. Never mind. Uh, horrible man. You could have a question in that book you could have asked him. Yeah, good. well, I had the book. That's what, well, you know, we won't go into it. It's a long story, but, um, which eventually I will be to talk about. But um, I was going on to basically talk about this book and then they... Uh, An uh, odious creature. He is. An absolutely odious creature. He's horrible. Yep. Have you heard of a human centrepiece, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> he would. Have you got a human centrepiece answer, Paul? A pass. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I should have done that. No one's thought to do that before. That is a, that's a very clever answer. Pass what is the question? <laughs> okay. Um, oh, I've gone to Joe Thomas's page. That, won't, that We can't ask you about that. Uh, and I like the, the, the... You obviously... There's brain scans at the back of your... All the, way, all the time at the back of your show, which I'm presuming are your... Are they your actual brain scans? Or they... Yeah, I mean, they're blown up yeah. much bigger than my actual brain. <laughs> yeah, I got... I <laughs> <laughs> Which they said to spend a couple of MRI hours just finding it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, quite an, it's quite an interesting backdrop. I had, I, I had a brain scan for less, uh, for more kind of, uh, uh, well, it was, it was for some, some medical research. I talked to Sarah Pascoe about it in the, in the podcast that isn't out yet. Uh, it was for, they were trying to work out where creativity came from in, in comedians' brains, so it wasn't for a medical purpose. But and they chose you. Yeah, they chose me. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think it was uh... <laughs> and Sarah Pascoe, which was probably a better choice. Um... <laughs> but that's, it's, it's, it's an interesting. It's interesting to see your own brain, though, right? And the, the... Oh, it's it's, uh, it's quite strange. You know, uh, the first time I saw an MRI of my own brain, I I just I stared at it for quite some time, thinking, so this is actually me, like everything. I've seen everything I think, everything I do is in this little pool of pulsing offal. That explains a lot. <laughs> well, and it's so fragile and so it's an amazing thing, and temporary and transitory, and it's kind of an, and yet so um, 
so complicated and amazing. The way the brain folds in on itself, doesn't oh. it, in order to... Yeah give you more mental capacity. Um, and everything in our body is generated and works to keep the brain happy. Yeah. You know, it does everything it can and will sacrifice itself to make sure the brain's still going. The brain is the, the lucky, golden, little useless piece of offal that gets carried around and spoiled the whole time. You want more blood? Here you go. Have it regular. <laughs> Have you just worked MS back into the conversation? <laughs> I, was, I started it, I think. I think that's fair enough. Uh, and are you going to? Are you going to count? Yeah, you sort of joke about that you're going to come back next year on your own, <laughs> uh, but um, oh, for man. various reasons. But... Well, you know, I, the prognosis, you know, Tim said was quite bad when we got back together. Uh, I think he used it as a lever to convince me that you know we should do the, you know time short. He said, yeah. uh, but he is he is he is hanging on. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's already gone for about a year and a half longer than I thought it would, and so I'm getting I am getting a little bit tense at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so will you come Fingers back crossed. will you come back next year if you know God oh. willing and it's heaven above oh yeah God yeah. willing you know if these wheels are turning <laughs> and if the guitar's still playing and if Paul is still singing like a meadowlark we will be back wreaking vengeance <laughs> for what you're doing this year <laughs> oh yeah clap now Scotland <laughs> <laughs> And it's, I mean, it's amazing, you know, it's hard enough to come, to go or to or from Australia anyway. And so for you, you must love doing this to, to come over from Australia to Edinburgh to, to keep coming back to the festival. Oh yeah, the aeroplane flight is no fun. If anybody's ever flown to Australia, there's a reason they don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> Wolf Creek. <laughs> And uh, I tell you what, there are antics on the flight as well. I don't know if there are things we want to go into here. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite difficult to travel uh, that long distance. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, we had a great time. I, because I was using kind of this portable catheter thing, which is like, uh, it's called a Yuri Dom. Use your imagination. So, of course, you've got, you know, two of the finest minds available inside the tiny toilet cubicle trying to work out, you know, how do we get the we out? I don't know. There's a valve. I don't know. We spent 10 minutes trying to work it out. And we kept saying to each other, it's got to be simple. Otherwise, how could it confound us? So, I thought the Mile High Club would be much better. <laughs> <laughs> but you in particular, I think, Tim, look like you're having a lot of fun during the show. You look like you're... It, it, oh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a blast. I yeah. get to watch the two funniest guys I've ever seen alive, um, and the, of the three, um, working. So I'm, and I'm there in the middle of uh, all this comedy. I just let it happen, and occasionally I interrupt. <laughs> Quite often to say, keep going, you're going very well. <laughs> Well, I think it's, I love it. I think it's an amazing testament to life and being alive and friendship and love and hatred. And it's, there's a lot of things in there that I, I think it's a magical show. I wish I'd seen your last show, which again, everyone says was uh, terrific and you won awards for and got amazing reviews for. I'm sure the same will happen for this show. Um, so do go and see it. It's, uh, let's, say what let's say what time it is. It's on at a pleasant fourth at... 10pm 10pm right through the whole festival yeah yeah four Terrific. weeks of yeah. Doug Anthony All Stars 
I mean, I'm exhausted just getting through the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> it's an absolutely fantastic show. And you're going to do a, a song for us now uh, that isn't in this show. That's from, is it from last year's show? Or yeah, we did. We, we, well, it's actually from many years ago. We, right. we, um, we did it on a show called The Big Gig in Australia. It was okay. a, a, a thing called The Old Triangle and um, a beautiful song, Brendan Behan's uh, classic. Okay. And... Um, uh, it's undergone a little bit of change. Okay. Thought, uh, in those days, it was very, a very reverent uh, version of the song. Yeah. Um, and we, we yeah, when we were touring through the counties of Ireland, it was uh, just it was stunning uh, reaction that people um, that, that had with this, with this song. So surprised uh, that Australians knew it or that we would we even be singing it. Um, and it was a, it was one of those sort of tearful moments in the shows that yeah. we did then. Um, but uh, but because of uh, you know things have happened. So it's not quite uh, it's not quite the song it was, but we still we still get a real thrill out of performing okay. it. So if that's all right, we'd... yeah, I'd love to. That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's not shaped like a triangle like it used to be. <laughs> okay. Stand up for this one. I won't. <laughs> I mean, I like the song, but it's not that good. <laughs> okay. Yes. You got it. Here, it's good? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. No. Yes? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this could be interesting. All right. Word has come from Dublin City She has lost her sweet angry voice Born with a spirit his flesh could not contain Brendan Behan is dead No stranger to life He lived right enough No stranger to the glass in his hand No stranger to the cause He fought for all his life Brendan Behan is dead. A hungry feeling came over me stealing while the mice were feeding in my prison cell and the old triangle went jingle jangle all along the banks of the Royal Canal on a fine spring evening as I lay dreaming and the lad was weeping in his prison cell and the old triangle went jingle jangle all along the banks of the Royal Canal while the wind was sighing as the day was dying and the lag still crying in his prison cell and the old triangle went jingle bloody jangle all along the banks of the royal canal in the women's prison there are 17 women and I wish it was with them that I did swear that old triangle could go jingle bloody jangle all along 
along the banks of the Royal Canal. <laughs> Are you all right? <laughs> Ireland has lost her sweet angry singer and the old triangle. <laughs> no longer his poems are fine design. We should use this in the song. <laughs> we'll ring out in Gaelic or sound through the main. Brendan Behan is dead. No, no. it doesn't work. It's broken. You're the thing that doesn't work. You're the thing that's broken. God Almighty. Thank you! Thank you for all the stars! Thank you very much! Thank you very much! Thank you. We'll, uh, we'll be back uh, next week on Friday in here, 1.50. The guests are James A. Caster. Yeah. But you can't get tickets for, and I think Ian Sterling as well. Uh, if you want to buy an emergency question book or some of the rest of my merchandise, I will just be here after the show. I'm very happy to say hello. You don't have to buy anything. Uh, and uh, thanks again to my fantastic guests, hey. the Doug and the All Thank you, Richard Herring. Thank you very much. See you next week. Bunk up work. Oh, seriously.